Welcome to the Brave Church Podcast. We're so glad you decided to join us. Wherever you're listening from, we hope you're encouraged and inspired by today's message. Look around you real quick. Find the best looking person you can. Just take a minute. Find the best looking person. When you, when you find someone really good looking, I want you to look right at them real quick. Just look right at them. Tell them this. Tell them the rest of your life. We're gonna try it again. I think you can do better. You look at your second choice. Let's see if this does better. Look at your second choice. I'm kidding. I'm kidding about that. Point to yourself. Let's try it this way. Point to yourself. Say the rest of my life. See, you always sound better when you talk about yourself. You know, say will be the best of my life. All right, now now you know what we're gonna say. I want you to say it one more time. Like you really, how many believe your life could get better? I mean, we, 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 we had it up here several times today. The best is yet to come. If you really believe that your best is yet to come, like you believe it, say the rest of my life will be the best of my life. All right, you can be seated. Listen, I know you're saying, well, that guy, man, he sure is positive. Sounds like everything must just be perfect in his life. And, and we all know that nothing is perfect in anybody's life. I mean, no, life's not perfect six of you how many know life's not perfect right we all we all make uh, go through things and and uh, things don't work out quite the way we well even the bible promises us john 16 33 was it say in the world you will have trials tribulation distress frustration <laughs> awesome I just stopped by to encourage you guys today. It's not looking good. You're going to go through some things in life. How many have ever had some trials and tribulations? Yeah. But it says right after that, but be of good cheer. What? In the middle of my trials and tribulations, you want me to be of good? You want me to have a good attitude? How many have a hard time having a good attitude just on a normal day? Be honest. Yeah. Listen, I, I have to work at it. Listen, you're, you're like a positive guy. You're always so, yeah. Listen, I was born a pessimist. This is a lot of work. My, my blood type is even be negative. You know, so this isn't natural. It takes a lot of work. But the Bible said in the middle of it uh, that I could be a good, I could have a good attitude right in the middle of my trials and tribulations. And, and if I did that, the rest of my life really could be the best of my life. I don't know about you. I just think God has good things in store for us. God is for you, not against you. And his plans are, his plans for you are good. And uh, I want to talk to you about that. I, I heard uh, 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 some around here is talking about there is hope. I don't know. I don't know if, you, if, I don't know if, you've, if you've heard about that, but I heard that there is hope. Aren't you glad that there is hope? God has a good plan, a good thing for you. Listen, I got a couple things I want to share with you today. What an honor it is. Let me just say what an honor it is to be with you guys at Brave Church. How many love your church? Thank you, guys. I was thinking how easy it's got to be. It's easy to, it's easy to have a heart for the house when you know the house has a heart for you. And uh, how many are thankful for Pastor David? How many are thankful for him? And, uh, man... Like you said, just spending some time together and, and uh, you know, dancing, salsa last night like we were doing. And I'm kidding, we weren't doing that. But, uh, uh, but, but just, just hanging out, just knowing, as he talks about you guys, man, he wants the best for you, for your families, for your life, for our church. It's easy to have a heart for the house when you know the house has a heart for you. 
and he wants the very best for you in your life. And, and, uh, and he's just, he's awesome. Man. I just, I, I wish I was as smooth, as cool as him. I can't be him. I wish I could be as cool as him, but I, uh, if you, if you expect me to, to preach as good as him, I can't do that. If you expect my jeans to be as tight as his, I can't do that. I just, but, and my hair, well, there's no chance, but, uh, um, but man, he, he is awesome. How many, many love it hearing him preach? My goodness. I just, I get excited just with him doing the announcements, but, uh, uh, I can't be him by the way. The other day someone said, Dave, you and me, man, we are just alike. I said, you know, if you and me are just alike, one of us is unnecessary. <laughs> And that, I think it's you. Um, none of us are alike. I can't be you and you can't be me. I can't be Pastor David. I got to be me, right? I can't be uh, T.D. Jakes, or Joyce Meyer, or whoever you like, Stephen Furtick, Joel Osteen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I could try every day is a Friday. You know, and I love that. But um, like, the other day, someone introduced us. What's Dave Martin like? They said he's, he's kind of a mixture between Joel Osteen and Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> it's quite a mix, isn't it? Just hold your Bible up with me and say, get her done. You know. All I'm saying is you just got to be you, right? You just got to gotta open your gift. And here's this incredible gift called life. Your life is a gift. And what I love about this gift is God picked it out just for you. How many like gifts? How many like giving gifts? My wife, uh, uh, we, we've been married. I think they got a picture of my family. I don't know if they, if they got a picture of my family. Anyway, I'll tell you about them in case. Uh, oh, yeah, there they are. There's my wife's the one on the right. And uh, we've been happily married now for 16 years. And uh, just had our 22nd wedding anniversary. And I was, I was telling her. Some of y'all get that later. Uh, but she knows I, I love gifts. I love giving gifts. And she goes, honey, you know, today's our anniversary. I said, I know. She said, I had a dream last night. You're going to give me a diamond necklace. She said, what do you think that means? I said, you know, when you open your presents, you'll find out what it means. You know, I, was, I, was so, I gave her a gift. She's so excited. She's ripping the paper off. And I'd, I'd bought her this book on the meaning of dreams. And... Um, and I didn't know what it meant myself. I hope that helped her. But anyway, um, you know, life is like, life is a gift. And, and, and a gift that God picked out just for you. The one on the, the left there, or on the, yeah, the left. That's my little boy, Solomon. And how many, how many believe God still does miracles today? How many believe that? Have you ever prayed for something and it took God longer than a week to answer? Anybody ever prayed longer than a week for something? Anybody ever prayed longer than a year? Eight years we prayed for that little guy. Eight years praying, believing, wanted to have a child. And, and, uh, and finally my wife got pregnant. We were so excited about eight years of trying for this thing. And, and then we go into the doctor. They're doing the checks up. And they, and they say, uh, well, we've got a problem. Your baby's actually in your tube. It's a tubal pregnancy uh, in your fallopian tube. So we're going to have to remove the baby. You're not going to have this baby. And, you know, we've been praying for eight years. We've been praying a long time. And it, it amazes me sometimes how easily we give up when we get one little bad report or one little thing. Well, I guess, I guess we'll try again next. I guess it's not going to work. There's a song we used to sing when I was a kid uh, that used to say, it said, whose report will you believe? And then the next line said, we will believe the report of the Lord. 
because the doctor's report said, this doesn't look good. You, it's a tumor pregnancy. We're going to have to schedule the surgery. But the report of the Lord said that we would be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And, and so at that point, we had to make a choice. And there will be times in your life where you've got to make a choice. Are you going to believe what the world says? Or are you going to believe what God says? And we just decided to stand on what God said, that, that this baby, that thing was going to turn around. And I'm telling you, let me tell you, it wasn't easy. It wasn't like, oh, yep, yeah, no problem. We never, we never doubted. No, man, my goodness. It was continued. That's why you got to be around people like this. Faith is contagious. And, and there'll be times you don't feel like coming to church. You ever felt like not coming to church? Be honest. But you know what? I encourage you, get in here because faith is contagious. All of a sudden you get in here, you didn't feel like coming, but all of a sudden you get around all these people full of faith. And before you know, you, before you leave here, you'll catch something. You might catch some joy. You might catch some peace. You might catch some favor. You might catch a healing. How many, if, if you looked here and said, you know what? There's, there's been times I didn't feel like coming, but you came anyway. How many, when you left, you said, I sure am glad I went to church today. Yeah, look, look, look at all those things. So if you ever feel like that, look around. You'll see a bunch of people that said, you know what? I'm a witness. You just press your way on in there. And, and that's, you know, that's what we, we just had to stand in faith, get around people that encouraged us. To make a long story short, they scheduled the, um, uh, the, the surgery to remove the baby. And we went to the hospital. And, and the whole way, I mean, my goodness, trying to believe, just trying to get around. Come on, we're, we're not going to give up. God, you know, there's an old song, too. It used to say, late in the midnight hour, God could turn it around. And I like the beat of that song, but I hate the words of it, right? Why would he wait so long? It's God. Why you make me wait till the midnight hour when you could just go ahead and do it right now? You ever wonder that? Like a friend of mine wrote a book, said, God's never failed me yet, but he scared me to death a few times, <laughs> right? Like why you wait until the mid... Anyway, they did the last ultrasound before they put her into surgery. And when they did, they said, hold on, someone's made a huge mistake. Your baby's actually in your womb exactly where it's supposed to be there's no problem it doesn't look like there's any issue and uh you know they they called it a mistake we just called it a miracle and and i just believe god can still do that today he she went on to carry him you know all nine months and he came out perfect you know well he's not perfect but you know he's he came i mean he wasn't it wasn't even perfect i mean he was born c-section you know but i mean you can't even tell from the pictures he looks totally normal <laughs> anyway uh, I told someone that day I said the only way you can really tell he was uh, born c-section is whenever he leaves the house he goes through a window <laughs> but other than that he's totally normal okay let me let me let me share something with you today uh, that I think will help you a little bit like I said life goes better when you put God first life just goes better and, and how do you put God first you do that by getting planted and, and, and like I said, this is a great place. If you're looking for a place to plant yourself, I'd get planted right here at Brave Church. Watch what God will do in your life. The Bible says your life will flourish when you get planted. And what does that mean? It means show up. It means show up. That's one of the ways you get planted is by, by showing up. Good job. You're doing good today. You're already here. Just by showing up today. When you leave out those doors, head to your car, you can just declare over your life, Father, I thank you this week. My life is going to flourish. Because I planted myself. My life's going to flourish. My business is going to flourish. My relationships are going to flourish. I'm flourishing because I made a choice to get planted in God's house. And so I, I, believe, I believe that uh, you, you made a good choice. Another way you can plant yourself is find a place to serve. Yeah. My goodness. Get in those begin classes. Find out what all's going on. Where can you get 
Get plugged in, get planted, and watch how your life. I'm going to see your life flourish. Yeah, you know, we declared at the beginning, the rest of your life will be the best of your life. Say this with me. Say the rest of my year will be the best of my year. I want to share something with you. If you really believe that the rest of your year could be the best of your year, I want to help you with something. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, there's not much time left. What's God going to do this year? There's only like four, less than four months. I mean, you know, how's he going to, how's he going to do anything? And then I don't know about you, but I love football season. How many like football season? Football season. I like football season because I like to watch, you know, you ever seen a game in the fourth quarter of the game, you know, the last quarter, a team comes back and they do more than they did in the whole first three quarters. And all of a sudden they win the game. And I'm like, here we go into the last quarter of this year. And I really believe if God could create the entire world in six days, I just think there's a lot he could do in the next three, four months. How many have got some things you'd still like to see God do in your life this year, in your business, in your relationship this year? So this year's not over with yet. But how are you going to make the rest of your year the best of your year? What's your part in making that happen? I think part of that is having a plan of what you want to see God do between now and the end of the year. And beginning of the year, the doctor said, Dave, uh, uh, you, need, you need to lose a little weight this year. You need to lose about 25 pounds. Got my physical first of the year, 25 pounds. I'm like, all right, you got it. And I got to the end of March. And I had about 30 to go. <laughs> Something wasn't working. I'm like, why isn't this not working? And the and, and, and doc said, well, what have you done? I said, I, nothing. <laughs> he goes, well, what's your, what's your plan? He said, I said, I don't have a plan. I just, you just told me to lose 25 pounds. I'm trying to lose it. <laughs> and, uh, and, and brought some friends. But... Um, so the 1st of April, we made a plan. He said, okay, we're going to make a plan. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to drink a, a gallon of water every day. I need you to cut this out. Take some of the carbs away. Don't eat after this time. And he gave me this whole plan. So I said, okay. So I began to work the plan 1st of April. And now here we are in September. I've lost about 50 pounds since then, since, since the 1st of April. And, uh, and that's why my, my jeans are a little tighter now. Like, because I'm skinnier. That'd be cool. And so anyway... Um, you say, well, what is this about weight loss today? No, it's not about weight loss. It's about having a plan. You see, nothing changed until I made a plan. And a lot of you are going through life with the same problems today you had earlier this year. Same problems today you had uh, two years ago in your relationships, in your finances, or whatever area of your life. You say, why is nothing changing? Because nothing's going to change until you change. Until you take responsibility. Because it's easy to blame everyone else. Doctor, you need to lose 25 pounds. I'm like, that's not my fault. That's... Krispy Kreme's fault. I could blame them. That red light flashes. How many know I'm talking about? The red light. The, that's the flames of hell. That red light is the flames of hell. I've been, I've been clean now about six months. Been off the, off the Krispy Kreme's. But, but my decision yesterday to eat the donut got me to the place I am today where I, was, you know, where I needed to lose that weight. And so I had, to make some different, I had to make some different choices. And as long as you blame everyone else for your problems, it's the government's fault. It's my parents' fault. It's, it's my boss's fault. It's easy to, how many know someone who always blames other people? It's always someone else's fault. I heard about a guy got pulled over by the police. He always had excuses. It was always someone's fault. He got pulled over. The cop said, your car was swerving a little bit there. I'm going to need you to take a breathalyzer test. He said, oh, officer, I can't take those. He said, well, why can't you take those? He goes, I've got asthma, bad asthma. If I breathe in that breathalyzer, I may have an asthma attack. If I have an asthma attack, I could die. If I died, it'd be your fault. The officer said, that's horrible. I don't want to be, 
I don't want to be responsible for that. How about this? We'll get in the car, we'll go down to the station. I'm going to get a blood sample from you. He said, oh. He said, I can't do those. He said, what do you mean you can't do those? He said, I'm a hemophiliac. If you stick me, I start bleeding. Once I start bleeding, I can't quit. You take me down there, you'd stick me, I'd start bleeding. I'd bleed to death and I might die right at the station and it'd be all your fault. The officer said, okay, fine. How about this? Just step out of the car and walk down this white line right here. He said, oh. The officer said, what's wrong? He said, I can't do that. He said, why can't you do that? And the guy said, because I'm drunk. A lot of people just have a lot of excuses. But if you're going to make the rest of your year the best of your year, you have to do some things different the rest of this year. And so I want to help you develop a plan to make the changes that you need to make. Just three things I'm going to give you today that I think will help get you in the right direction. If you've got your phone or something like that, this is a simple principle. It's a biblical principle. It's the principle of planning. Now, Pastor mentioned about 50% of what we do is in the corporate arena. And uh, I'm on a, a tour with a couple of the guys from the show Shark Tank. I don't know if you've ever seen that show Shark Tank. And uh, there's a guy on there by the name of Damon John. So Damon and I were talking one night about principles and how principles work no matter where you are. Principles are simple. If you work the principles. And, and I said, you know, it's amazing. It's all the principles you talk about. They're all in the Bible. And, and because people ask, like, where did you get that? And I'm like, you don't want to know. They're like, no, no, come on. Where did you get that? I'll be a big company. They're like, where did you get it? I'm like, seriously, you don't want me to tell you. They're like, please tell us. I'm like, okay, fine. I got it out of the Bible. The Bible? Yeah, let me tell you. All of a sudden, I get to tell them all about Jesus. That's what I love to do anyway. But uh, uh, so he's like, we're talking. So the next day, he's sharing about his company. He started this company called FUBU. And he's explaining when they started it. He said, when I, I was getting started, I wrote down all my goals. He said, when you write down your goals... You dramatic, good. I said, I believe the likelihood of accomplishing them if you'll just write them down. And I said, that's good. I said, I believe that. I believe that's important. Write down your goals. I do that all the time because it's in the Bible. He said, come on, give me a break. That's not in the Bible. I said, sure it is. It's in the Bible. Habakkuk chapter 2. Look at the scripture. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse number 2. What does it say? It says, write the vision and make it plain. When you write down your goals, you dramatically increase the likelihood of accomplishing it. The rest of that verse goes on to say, so that you can run with it. Write the vision, make it plain so you can run with it. Listen, if you don't know where you're going, it doesn't matter how fast you run. You can go over here to the airport, Miami airport. There are airplanes literally flying all over the world from the Miami airport. But you know, until you decide where you want to go, you will be standing at the Miami airport. You can drive up there, you can go inside, but until you know where you're going, you're still going to be at the airport. Because they don't sell you your ticket based on where you're at. They sell your ticket based on where you're going. And some of you don't like where you're at. You just don't know where you want to be. And so you're standing watching this person go there and that person do this and this go. And you're like, well, well, what about me? Well, where do you want to go? I don't know. I just don't want to be here. So the first thing you got to decide is where it is you want to go. And when you do, you begin to write the vision. Now, this is a very powerful biblical principle, the principle of planning. The principle of planning. You said that's a biblical principle. It's amazing how many biblical principles there are. And when you follow biblical principles, it's amazing what will happen in your life. There's a big difference between the person of Jesus and the principles of Jesus. The person of Jesus prepares you for heaven, but his principles prepare you for earth. Right? Here's a real simple one. How many have ever straightened? How many one Saturday you got up and decided to straighten up your closet? 
uh, you, and you straighten up all the shoes in your closet. Let me see your hand if you've ever done what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about, okay? And when you finish straightening up the shoes in your closet, all of a sudden you felt like, what else could I do today? I think I could take on the world today. I'm going to straighten up the garage. I'm going to redo the kitchen. I'm going to do, all of a sudden you feel like you can do anything. How many know the feeling I'm talking about? Why do you feel like that? All you did was straighten up the shoes in your closet. Well, because you did a very godly thing by straightening up your closet, what you did is you created order. God is a God of order. The very first, uh, when, you, when you understand that this or, order is the accurate arrangement of things. So when things are where they're supposed to be, what did the very first thing God did? He put everything into order. He created the world and he put the plants and the earth and the sky and the water and he created order. That's what it said he did. So when you straightened up the shoes in your closet, you just did a really godly thing. And that's why you felt so good about it. You feel good when you do godly things. So here's a powerful principle that is a godly thing that I'm telling you, if you'll do this, you're going to feel really good. And God's going to get involved with you. Because in Proverbs 16, verse 3, it says, if you will commit your plans to the Lord, he would cause them to succeed. Now, how many want God to be your partner in the things you're trying to accomplish? So he said, look, if you, if you commit your plan, now here's the problem. If you don't have a plan, what are you going to commit to him? Well, I just, I just want things to change. Well, make a plan. So if, if the rest of my year is going to be different than the first part of my year, what am I going to do different? If you do the same thing the rest of this year, you did the first part of the year, the rest of the year will be just like the first part of the year. So the Bible says, Proverbs 1, verse 5, a wise person will increase in learning. The Bible says if you're smart, you'll get smarter. Proverbs uh, 3 tells us wisdom is more valuable than silver. It's more profitable than gold. It's more precious than rubies. And, 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 And then he said in Proverbs 4, hey, whatever you do, you better get wisdom. The only problem you'll really ever have in life is a wisdom problem. You don't really have financial problems. You just have some wisdom problems. You don't really have relationship problems. A lot of times you just have some wisdom problems. A lot of times you don't have health problems. It's just some wisdom problems. I will tell you this. The more wisdom you have, the less miracles you'll need. You say, well, yeah. You say, you don't believe in miracles? Of course I do. I just told you about my son. That was a miracle. But how many have ever made this statement? If I knew back then what I know now. Have ever made that statement? Exactly what I'm talking about. If I'd have known then, if I'd have had the wisdom then, I would have never made the decisions I made that caused me to be here where now I need God to come through and help me just because I made some bad decisions because I didn't have the right wisdom. That's why the Bible says, whatever you do, get wisdom. It says in Ecclesiastes that getting wisdom is like sharpening your axe. Uh, have you ever tried to cut something with a dull knife? And it takes a lot of work. You work at it, you work at it. If you took a little bit of time to sharpen your knife, all of a sudden, man, that was so much easier. And the Bible said that's what it, getting wisdom does. It just makes your life easier. Abraham Lincoln said, if you gave me six hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend four of those hours sharpening my axe. What does that mean? I'd be getting prepared. And that's what wisdom does. And so the Bible has wisdom for every area of your life. Married. How many married people are in here? Married people. Okay. Got quite a few married people. Single people. Got single people in here. Any single people? Okay. And here's the thing. Whether you're married or whether you're single, there's wisdom, right? There's wisdom for every area of your life. Uh, my wife and I. How many married people, you and your spouse are totally different? Let me see your hands. If you and your spouse are different. Most married, most married people. My wife and I are night and day different. She's from New York. I'm from Mississippi. Different. 
She's a northerner. I'm a southerner. Different. My dad's a preacher. My grandfather's a preacher. Her dad's a heathen. Her grandfather's a heathen. Um, <laughs> she grew up wealthy. We grew up poor. We thought you're supposed to be poor because poor people go to heaven. That's what they told us growing up. We did everything we could to stay broke. <laughs> My dad used to tell us if the ice cream truck was playing music, that meant they were out. Okay. All right, so, so we needed wisdom, right, for this relation. We needed wisdom to work this thing out. So there's wisdom for marriages. There's single people. There's wisdom for you. Know, there's good pickup lines in the Bible if you need them. I mean, that's why I love. The Bible's got everything you need. Like the other day, I was reading the book of Numbers, and I realized I don't have yours. <laughs> See? It's a Christian pickup line. There's a whole bunch of them. Like, your name must be Faith, because you're the substance of things I've hoped for. <laughs> anyway, it's just, hey, girl, I think you got one of my ribs. Okay, so they're just, all I'm saying is everything you need is in here, so whatever you do... Whatever you do, get, get wisdom. I try to learn something every day. I try, if you want tomorrow to be different than today, learn something today that'll make tomorrow different. So I, I just try to learn something every day. That's why you go to my house. I got 4,000 books in my house. Why? Too much stuff I don't know. I can't go to Barnes and Noble without spending 300 bucks. Too much stuff I don't know. I, gotta, I don't know that. I got I to learn that. I got to learn something. How do you get wisdom? Three ways you can get wisdom. Number one, you can get it from mistakes. Which, by the way, is the slowest way to get it, to learn from your mistakes. Second way to get it would be mentors. What does that mean? It means learning from someone else's mistakes. I would much rather learn from someone else's mistakes than my mistakes. I got a new thing going on. I'm like, I'm talking to Pastor David. I'm like, what do you think about this? What, why, what am I doing? I'm trying to learn from his mistakes. What if I could find, what, when he built this church, what did he do? Well, how did he do this? Well, if I could learn what, what he did or didn't do, that would save me some time. Third way to get wisdom is buy it. That's the quickest way to get it. Just go to the bookstore, buy a book. It's amazing. You can buy a book. What took someone their entire lifetime to learn, you could learn in three hours for 20 bucks. Wow. Wow. You'd be crazy not to buy books. I mean, uh, I was at a meeting one time with this guy named Peter J. Daniels. Anybody ever heard of Peter J. Daniels? It's a wealthy businessman from Australia and went to a seminar. It cost me about $3,000 to go to a seminar. But he's doing better than I'm doing, so obviously he knows something I don't know. I try to learn something every day. Now, it's not always big things. That day I was at Starbucks, and there's a new girl in there, and I, I just, I just kidding with her, and and she had a little badge on, you know, trainee. And I'm like, that's funny, you know, your mom named you trainee, <laughs> and she's like, it's Trinay. <laughs> I didn't know that. See, see I'm, there's always something to learn. There's always something to learn, and, and so. So I went to this meeting, and, and, and Peter, he's teaching. He's doing better than I'm doing, so obviously he knows something I don't know. How many like to be doing better than you're doing right now in some area of your life? Okay, all that means is there's something you don't know. How simple is that? So I went to a seminar at the end. He goes, I've got books, CDs. He told us about some stuff he had. Uh, so as soon as it was over, I grabbed my friend. I said, let's go. I'm getting all that stuff. He goes, you're getting all of it? I said, yeah. I went back to the table. I said, I want everything this guy's got. He knows something I don't know, and we'll find out what it is. So they added it up. They said, okay, if you buy everything back here on the table, it'd be $1,600 for everything that he's got back here. And, um, well, I didn't know he knew that much stuff. <laughs> that was more, I wasn't expecting it to be that much money. And I was like, that's crazy. My friend said, that's crazy. He said, you're not going to get it, are you? I said, ah, I think I am going to get it. He said, you think it's worth it? 
And you know what I thought? I thought, you know what? I think I'm worth it. I don't buy books because I think the paper's worth it. I buy them because I think I'm worth it. I mean, if I don't think I'm worth 20 bucks, why don't anybody else think I'm worth 20 bucks, right? I mean, sometimes it's what you think about yourself. So anyway, whatever you do, get, I bought all of it, by the way, and I got a lot of good stuff off of it. I got this one really good idea. You know, the billionaire Ross Perot said that's all it takes is just one good idea to live like a king the rest of your life. Now, I didn't get a king idea, but I didn't get a bad idea either. I got this one idea from listening to that stuff. I put it together and I sold the idea. Within about eight months, the idea produced me a little over $300,000. That's not a, say praise the Lord. Why y'all so jealous of my blessings? You just, like all the things like, I don't care about this. I'm sure, how many be happy if you had a $300,000 idea? That's what I thought. How many be happy if you just had like a $50,000 idea? How many just hope you have an idea? Like, God, I hope I think of something before I die. Here's what, you always invest in what you find valuable. You invest, I, I found wisdom valuable. So whatever you do, get, get with, hopefully it's helping you. Are you getting, give you. Let me give you a little bit of wisdom. I got, this is a whole different way than I went in the last few services, but hopefully it's helping you. Are you getting anything out of this? I just want you to have valuable wisdom. So let me give you, let me give you three things real quick, just the value of, of wisdom. And I'm, I'm almost out of time. My goodness, in the words of Kim Kardashian to her first husband, um, I won't keep you long, okay? But uh, I, I, got, I got three things I want you to write down that I want you to know about planning. And I don't, I don't have time to get into a lot of it. That's, that's what I do as a coach. I help people make plans. I help them get, I was working with a business owner. He had a little painting company and he wanted to do big things. Like one of the things he wanted to do, he wanted to give his church, he wanted to give $100,000 to his church. Wouldn't that be amazing? How many love to be able to do that? Hey, Pastor, put me down for 100000 How many like to be able to? It's not a pledge. I'm just asking how many people would like to be able to... People are like, is this the offering? What's that guy doing up there? I'm saying, how many would like to be able to do that? Uh, of course we'd like to be able to do that because our heart is to give. God created us that way. He created us in his image, right? And God's a giver. So giving is just kind of part of who we are. And so, uh, so he went, one of his goals was to give 100000 So we, we have to make a plan for his business. He had one guy worked for him and he had a pickup truck with all this paint gear in it. And, and so as we developed the plan, he began to work the plan. We sat down and said, okay, here's what we do. And, and I, I just talked to him the other day. Today he's got four vans fully wrapped with his company logo and all that cruise in each of those vans. And they're doing jobs all over the city of Orlando. He was doing $3,000, $5,000 jobs. They just finished one job, all the crews together, and they did a job that they made a little over $800,000 on just one, on one job. And he said, I would have never got there if I didn't have a plan. How do you get from where you are to where you want to be? Once you decide where you're going at the airport, everything becomes easier. First thing I want you to understand is planning is scriptural. All right. It's, it's a Bible thing, right? We, we've already talked about that. Hopefully we've established it. But if you look in the Bible, you'll see there's plans for battle, plans for building the temple, plans for giving offerings. Joseph made plans seven years in advance before the famine. Even God, Jeremiah says, uh, 29 verse 11, for I know the, look, God had plans. He made plans. If God's making plans, how many know you need to make plans? His plans for you are good, not for bad. They're plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. God's plan is to let you know there is hope. You know, that's all we're doing around the city right now is we're just letting everyone know God has a plan. God has a plan for you and and it's hope and it's a future. How many plan to live past today? 
Okay, that's God's plan too. He says there's a plan. He plans for your future. So if you're going to live in the future, you might, it might as well be the future you plan. So where is it you want to go? Between now and the end of the year, what is it you want to accomplish? Whether it's in your health or whether it's in your finances or whatever area of your life, understand that it's a very scriptural thing to have a plan. I think God showed us all these plans in the Bible just because he wanted us to know how important it was to have a plan. So number one, how many can see that planning is in the Bible and it's a scriptural thing? Let me see if you're with me. If you're with me. All right, good class. I got to go quick here. Second thing. Um, Planning will put you in a better position. Planning will put you in a better position. Because whenever you plan, you always plan to succeed, right? You never plan to fail. So just by having a plan, you're already in a, in a better position. And plus, when you put down the plan, all of a sudden you get a bigger picture of it. And you can see all the things that, uh, uh, that, that need to change or the things you need to do differently by having, uh, by having a plan. And so when I begin to, to look at this, problem areas emerge, things uh, that need to change. I see where uh, uh, um, all of a sudden, where okay, there's a weakness in the plan right here. Once I write it down and I can see a bigger picture, now I can begin to fix what needs to be fixed. So it, it, I'm in a better position. Now, here's the thing. Life doesn't have to be perfect before you develop a plan. Some people think, well, when my life gets perfect, I got a lot of messed up stuff. Once I get all that fixed, then I'm going to make a plan. And, that, and, and that's just not the way it, it needs to be. You can make a plan right now because uh, no matter what mistakes you've made, no matter how much you've messed up, God still has plans for you. There are plans, plans for good. So everything doesn't have to be perfect. A good plan today is better than a perfect plan tomorrow. Okay, so get started. Well, you know, I had a couple want me to pray. We want to plan a family, and we, but we, we just haven't been able to get pregnant. And the wife said, I, I don't think God's going to do it for us. I said, what do you mean God's, God's not going to do it for you? She goes, no. She goes, I made some mistakes in my past, and, uh, and I had an abortion, and now I think God won't give us a family because of that. And I'm like, my goodness, we've all made some mistakes. Uh, again, how many have made some mistakes? Yeah. yeah. If you've never made a mistake, you've probably never made anything. Everybody makes mistakes. And so I explained to her God's grace and his mercies. And next time you feel like a failure, I said, there's a whole list of people in the Bible. I mean, our heroes in the Bible were some pretty jacked up people. And yet God still used them. So next time you feel like God can't use you or God can't bless your plan. About, about 50% of what we do, like I said, is in the corporate arena. And I, I, we work with some of the NBA teams. And, and there's a player by the name of Kobe Bryant. You may have heard of him. He was, pretty, he was retired now, but he was pretty good during his career. In 2014, though, he set a record for the most missed shots in the history of the NBA. The most missed shots. Now, what's amazing is seven days after he set the record for the most missed shots, he passed up a guy by the name of Michael Jordan for the most points scored during his career. So the same guy with the most missed shots passed up one of the greatest players of all time. And they asked him, they said, how did you do that? He said, I just took another shot. <laughs> how simple is that? So I'm like, that's a great, that's where I got the title for my latest book. It's called Another Shot. And he said this, he said, you can't let the fear of failure or the fear of criticism keep you from trying again. Sometimes all you got to do is just take another shot. And so I wrote this book, Another Shot. There's a great quote on the back of the book by Evander Holyfield. And I, I love this book. I mentioned his name because this, the quote makes sense when you know who said it. You know, if I just said Evander Holyfield, it wouldn't make sense. And I, I'm not just trying to drop names like saying I know Evander Holyfield. I'm just trying to tell you what the five-time heavyweight champion of the world said about my book. Okay. <laughs> no, seriously, I'm not a, I'm not a name dropper. 
if anything I've learned from spending time with Oprah, it's, it's that you shouldn't do that, okay? But Evander Holyfield said, it's not getting knocked down that makes you lose the fight. It's not getting back up. We're all going to get knocked down. How do you get back up? How do you get back in the game? Anyway, uh, here's this little list I made out, out, of the, out of people in the Bible. When you start feeling like a failure, Noah, right? We love Noah, built the ark. He was a drunk. God still used him. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Joseph was abused. Leah was ugly. Got, I'm not judging Leah. You can read about it. It's in the Bible. Gideon was afraid. Moses was a stutterer. Samson had long hair. God still used him. Elijah was suicidal. Naomi ran from God. Job went bankrupt. Peter denied Christ. Think about that. You're with Jesus himself. And you're like, I don't know him. And how many times did he do it? Right, three times. And Jesus, what did Jesus say? Come on, Peter. I can still do something with you. I had a friend the other day denied me. Kind of. Like half denied. One half of a deny. Not even three. I'm like, deny me. Like he, someone said, you know Dave? He goes, ah, yeah, I kind of know him. Like we went on vacation together. You kind of know me. I unfriended him on Instagram. And uh, kind of know me. Three times. You ever though? You ever wonder though? Why would he do that? Why would he deny Christ? You ever, I don't know if this is why. Could be. I did see it in the Bible, and this may be part of the reason he was so upset that he's like, I don't know him. But just a few verses before Peter denied Christ was when Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. He could have been a little upset about that. I don't know how he felt about his mother-in-law, but that, you know. I love my mother-in-law, though. She's awesome. I don't understand it, but. A couple of Christmases ago, I got my mother-in-law a a cemetery plot. My mother-in-law. Anyway, I I didn't get her anything last year, and she's mad at me. You didn't get me anything for Christmas this year. I'm like, you didn't even use... When I got you the last time. I mean. Anyway, I could go on and on. This list just keeps, keeps going of all these, these people. Mar- Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. And God still used her. This lady on the elevator last night, I got to the hotel and I got in the elevator. This lady looked at me. She goes, you know, you look like my third husband. I, I thought about that Samaritan. I was like, dang. Welcome to Miami. Uh, I was like, that's how many, I, I was just curious. I'm like, how many times have you been married? And she said twice. Samuel 16. Some of y'all get that later. Anyway, here, here's what, here, here's what it says. 1 Samuel 16, the Lord doesn't see things the way that you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The difference maker in all those people I just listed and the difference maker in your life is that God has a plan. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for your life, for your future, and it's hope, and it's good. And and if you'll just get in the plan, 
Get in the plan. It's amazing what God will do if you just, you just begin to develop a plan. You don't like where you're at? Where do you want to be? Third thing, and I got to close. Third thing, planning is essential. Planning is essential. I, I, I hope you got something out of that. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Brave Church. For more information or to get in touch with us, visit us at bravemiami.com.